You're listening to the podcast, Carlos Avalon, My Music, My Life. Thank you for tuning in. And now, here's your host, Carlos Avalon. I said I've asked you for your number, and if you'd like for me to go, because I think I this time, I have a very interesting guest, someone I admire tremendously and that I respect so very much. Um, as many of you know, I, I was so lucky because most performers, professional performers at my level of the business where we are, not superstars, not, not just part-time performers with regular jobs, but most of us, to make good money and have good gigs, we have to be on the road all the time, uh, going from good venue to good venue, cruise ship to cruise ship, and then we come home between gigs and most of the time, sure, we just uh, relax, and uh, uh, but we don't have the luxury of coming home while between great travel gigs and having a steady gig at home. Well, I lucked out. In 2000, I signed with a club right where I live, uh, the Castlewood Country Club, and there were so many people that I befriended and became fans and good friends, and one gentleman in particular would come in almost um, every weekend after, I guess, the golf game or whatever, and he'd sit at the bar and... Uh, I could tell he enjoyed my music. We met, of course, but, you know, I'd keep playing. And then I'd look at him and I could uh, tell as I was singing a song, I could see his lips moving and he was singing along. I couldn't hear him. He was further away from me. But I, I, I was amazed how he knew the lyric. I could tell, uh, uh, looking at his lips, he was right with me. He knew all the words to my old songs. And then he would sit closer to the piano. Eventually, he had his special table. I could actually hear him, and I noticed, wow, what a voice, perfect baritone. And, uh, of course, we became friends. He started singing with me and uh, becoming, well, we'll get into that. As I introduce to you, someone that started um, early on on radio and became a great uh, radio personality, and uh, then he went on to great other careers and make the big bucks. But his name is Richard Fitzmorris. To his friends, Dick Fitzmorris. To me, he's simply... Hello, Mr. Fitz. Welcome. Hello, Carlos. It's good to hear from you. Well, good to be on your show. Thanks for inviting me on. No, thank you for doing it. And uh, um, how how are you doing? I miss seeing you almost every week when I'm performing at the club. You thank know, you. I miss you, too. I've been a piano bar fan forever. And I remember the first night... Uh, wife and I um, heard you. We were in the other room having dinner, and there was a piano player, and all of a sudden, I'm listening, because I'm into piano. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'll play it, but I listen to it. <laughs> and and all of a sudden, I realized after we walked in and, and listened to you that we had our own piano bar, you know, within a, a couple of feet of our house. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. And yes, yeah, your wife, uh, Miss Linda, she uh, uh, she also had some uh, favorite songs. And I think it was Nat King Cole that captured you. I was playing a Nat King Cole song, right? 
That's right. You were playing a Nat Cole medley. And, yep. you know, Nat Cole is probably my favorite singer. It's kind of a toss-up between Nat and Ella Fitzgerald. Wow. But I, one of my earliest remembrances, when after we got TV, and I was probably five before we got TV in eastern Washington where I grew up, um, and Nat Cole was one of the first black performers to have a network television show. And I'm, I'm almost sure it was on during the day. Wow. And I watched it and I just became a fan at the age of, I don't know, five, six, whatever, however old I was at the time. Uh, I love Nat Cole and, um, and Ella and, and all those songs. You know, the great American songbook is just. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. And then uh, that was uh, actually when I could tell you, could, you knew all the lyrics to my songs and you knew. And yes, I started in business with my father. So as I sometimes say on stage, while kids my age were listening to the Stones and the Beatles and uh, right. I was listening to Lawrence Welk because my dad's uh, generation and that's how I got that style but I was looking at you and uh, yeah you may be a little bit older than I am but not much and I said how is this guy from this uh, the 60s crowd 60s. yeah well, how in the world does this guy know all my old songs that were way beyond so now you just kind of answer that five you well, like that and, yeah you? and it's had to have been television I mean the Ed Sullivan show and Hollywood Palace, and and there was a show. I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, uh, it's called the Mike Douglas Show. Oh, of course, yes. Did you? Okay. Oh, and, did and I? It was on in the afternoon after I got home from school, and and he always had singers on um, that were you know the middle of the road, the singing the standards, and and that's uh, I remember that's how I found John Gary even. Oh, and, uh, oh, yeah. The singer oh, he was, if yeah. you recall. Well, uh, bringing, uh, believe it or not, I was uh, in my late teens and I was starting out in the business and we had some of my agents trying to get me on the Mike Douglas and the Merv Griffin oh, show. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never made it, but I know very well about those two shows. And uh, so you got into radio. Now, how did that how did that come about? Well, it actually started um, about the same time I was watching Nat Cole on TV. Um, wow. I got a ventriloquist dummy oh, when I was yes. five years old. <laughs> How is my buddy? What's his name <laughs> well, again? Yeah, I, the, the current one is DJ O'Donnell, but the original <laughs> one was Jerry Mahoney. Ooh. Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney were on Saturday morning TV, and a company called the Juro Novelty Company made a child's version of that dummy, Jerry Mahoney. And um, I got one when I was five. We went to Seattle and went to a toy store and they had one and it was the most exciting day of my life. Uh -huh. And you know what's happened is I've gotten involved on uh, Facebook and, and I go to a convention every year for ventriloquists. Wow. And the story that I have is exactly the same. There's a hundred, there's two and three hundred, four hundred guys that have the same story. The most exciting day in the, my life was the day I got my Juro Jerry and and I started putting on shows and blah, 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 blah. I mean, we all have a story. It's really, really fascinating. Um, That's amazing. And then, Keep going. And, and so, and so, well, I started doing shows and, and talent shows. And then I started emceeing talent shows. Ah, yes. <laughs> and, and then, you know, the public speaking, I started doing that. I took a class in that. And then my seventh grade teacher, Taught me to run for student body president, so that meant giving a speech. And they they wouldn't let me do my ventriloquist act, so I did an impression of John Kennedy, wow. which was 
yeah, and that worked, and I got elected. And, um, you know, so it just struck me as I started looking at a career that, you know, being a ventriloquist and seeing the talent shows, public speak, you know, radio was kind of the obvious choice. So I, um, I was in college. I did a paper on a radio station in Berkeley called KPAT. Um, they had the Oakland Oaks basketball uh, contract and they were broadcasting the games. And I did a paper on how that worked and I wrote the paper up. I sent it to him. And, and while I was there, I said, hey, how do you get in this business? Should I go to the Columbia School of Broadcasting or something? And they said, no, you should hang out. Wow. Just come in. And so I said, OK. And I did. <laughs> uh, that is fantastic. Do you still have that impression of President Kennedy now? Impersonation. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, uh, shall I? <laughs> um, in, in, uh, Earl Warren was the uh, opposing junior high school. So uh, in uh, 1961, Earl Warren uh, uh, won that uh, one out of three uh, baseball games. Uh, from <laughs> in uh, 1962, uh, oh. they won three, uh, two out of three. Uh, that's a gain of 33 and a third percent. Uh, in only two short years, they will bury us. Uh, you, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that, but uh, wow. Well, so you know what? Uh, God, I, I keep learning things from uh, doing this podcast about people. You started in the business in, well, radio, you know, the entertainment business, even before I did. So your first uh, uh, five and uh, what was that first ventriloquist uh, thing at seven or something? So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah God, you, you go, and then you went to uh, the next step. So y you did shows uh, as a ventriloquist. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of gave up the ventriloquist thing for ah. all those years, but but um, you know, in radio, gee whiz, I, I did everything. I, I alphabetized record albums. I watered the plants. I swept up. I alphabetized record albums, and then I started writing commercials. Oh yeah, um, your broadcaster's and, voice. Yeah, <laughs> and I was an I, well, yeah, and I, I was an English major, and I could write fairly well. But of course, writing commercials is different than writing a paper on you know nineteenth-century <laughs> British poetry or something. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, it it all worked out, and then I got a part-time gig. And went on and did the all-night show at KIT Yakima, ultimately. I came back, worked three years in San Luis Obispo, which was now, probably the most fun I ever had in my yeah, life. Yeah, I remember you've talked to me. Was that like yeah. your college years? You went to, uh, was that? No, I was oh. done with college, but, oh, okay. but San Luis is a college town. Oh, well, yes, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, I, I which makes it. it yeah. Makes it a fun place to be, aside from the fact that it's just a beautiful town altogether. I love San Luis Obispo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just had a wonderful time there, playing so, records. And oh, absolutely. And so how did, uh, you know, the uh, the radio business is, so actually there's something I hear now, there's some bill before Congress that'll make it even tougher for, because it's all cumulus and all those companies, everybody owns you know everything uh, one or two own everything so how has radio changed i know you had the liberty to still play some new talent and some songs that you chose to play now it's all set for the dj before you even get to the microphone uh, yeah, and it was starting even back then but wow. certainly in san Luis, i had a certain amount of freedom yeah we had a format every radio station has a format um yeah. you know they want to attract a specific um 
uh, listener. You know, if it's yeah. all news, it's Certainly. usually an older, an older audience. Um, rock and roll is a younger audience, that kind of thing. So you um, were in your station. Were you doing the songs that you loved, the standards? Although it's a college town, were you? Was your station yes. more standards? This, yeah, this particular one was called Adult Contemporary. Oh, and so we were playing the current current stuff that was soft rock, you know, the yeah. Eagles and yeah. James Taylor and stuff like that. But every fourth song or third or fourth song, you could play a classic standard. And that's where I pulled out the Ella Fitzgerald and the Sinatra. And you got the liberty <laughs> to. Yeah. 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 So if you were still doing that and I send you one of my songs, you probably would play me as a introducing a new artist. You had that, you know, I that could, freedom. I could do that. In <laughs> fact, if you, and even better if you came in, uh -huh. um, I had the If if I had a reason to do it, hey, you know, I met this guy, Carlos Avalon. He came in today at this record. I really want you to hear it because it's really good. You'll enjoy it. And I've invited him to be in here and he's going to be disc jockey for the next half hour. And, you know, oh, I'd wow. have you read a PSA or maybe a couple of commercials or something uh -huh. and get to know you. And then we'd spin your record. And and, you know, so you could do that. You, you had uh, to have a reason. You had to oh, make of course, the audience in with you. But. I could have done that. Yeah. Other stations, you know, like Top 40, no, they're not going to play your song anyway because yeah, it's not the not, style. Not, not yeah, the style. Yeah. 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 But the, even then, they're so formatted, they, they can't break break format at all. Yeah. The same way I've told you about trying to get into the Mike, Mike Douglas and Mark Griffin show. Yeah. Oh, you have no idea to this day. Um, uh, just last month, April, my song, One Night in, uh, well, in, in Spanish, Una Noche en Abril. How every station that we called, oh, we're on a set format, a set programming. And, uh, but yeah, uh, too bad uh, that yeah. freedom is not uh, as common in some areas, probably, but not as common. Now, then, how did you go from music? To, to news because oh, uh, we've had a lot of fun with uh, <laughs> your go ahead tell us that um well the station in san luis Obispo, kvec um i was a disc jockey there for basic i was a, i was there for three years disc jockey for two uh -huh. um from noon to five and then the guy that did the morning show left and the morning show for three hours of that was an all news block like a kcbs wow. and and i started i took that over And so now I had a disc jockey audition tape and I put together a news audition tape um, so that I could take the next step in the career um, and try to get a job elsewhere and, you know, make more money. As good a time as I had in San Luis, the money was not particularly good at the time. Um, so anyway, um, so I had a, a news tape and that's the one that got me uh, my first job out of San Luis. And that was in San Jose. And then I went to KCBS FM, where I worked weekends doing the news. Wow. Um, that was an automated station. Talk about closed format. Oh, wow. Automated station, all computer generated. Wow. And, um, and then um, made the move down the hall to the AM station, KCBS. Which is a, 740. a power news station in the San Francisco Bay Area that reaches most of california and uh, yeah, for, for yeah. any of you listening elsewhere kcbs news talk radio is the news station in the in the bay area it really is there's hard nobody does any better especially on breaking news like an earthquake or something KCBS absolutely and on uh, traffic and weather 
And uh, have we had fun with you doing the weather report? <laughs> uh, uh, shall we try that? Here's folks. Here's what I would do because he did mm. had that voice for the weather report, and many times playing a country club full of golfers at night, all wanting to know what the next morning's weather will be like, so that they can. Um, I was going to say kick off, but tee off. And I'd bring you up on stage and ask you, Mr. Fitz, what is the weather report for tomorrow? Um, do you have any idea? Will you share it with us? Do you have a report? Carlos, we've got fog and low clouds tonight and tomorrow morning. Sunny skies by late morning with highs in the mid-70s. Overnight <laughs> lows in the mid-40s. Light winds to about 10 miles an hour. In San Francisco right now, 62 degrees on the first tree tee at the Castlewood Country Club. It is a cool 57. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes on all news, KCBS. Fantastic. Oh, <laughs> I am sure some of my listeners recognize that voice as uh, you would do that. <laughs> when you got to the degrees, the reason why I laughed is uh, here I'm recording this in Tracy, California. It's like high 80s, and I'm going to Palm Springs next week, which will be, I think, <laughs> the lowest, 110. So I had to laugh. How I wish I'd, I'd be experienced 70, 70. But <laughs> Listen, I am so uh, grateful that you did this for me. We, we would do special theme um, um, performing nights at the Country Club, and uh, you were the voice to, you were the MC for that, the voice. And yeah, I don't remember, if, I don't know if you have time, but do you remember yes. that one Christmas where we did the... The great broadcast of 1938. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You wrote the script uh, with, I think, um, uh, Mr. Hal Childs. Uh, you yeah. all. And, and that Hal Childs, you had Jackie on the show not too long ago. And absolutely. Jack, uh, Hal Childs had a, had a TV and radio background himself and had a wonderful voice. Oh, yeah. And so he was the like the announcer of this radio show, and all the performers were members of the club who were going to do the sing-along for christmas yeah and we even had a commercial in the middle of it and <laughs> it was really fun oh it was wonderful and then you would uh some of your feature songs when it was not a theme of a, a christmas time uh remember what a difference a day makes 24 little hours yeah that's that was a, your hit song at the country club and then the other one that I love so much, and you introduced me to it, which was the old Sinatra song that never was a big hit for him called You and Me. Oh, what yes. a pretty song that is. And I'm forever in your debt for you telling me about that song. Absolutely. Yeah. For those of you that have the Sinatra station or online, look for the song Sinatra called You and Me. Shall you do a little bit of it? Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> put you on the spot. You and me, we wanted it all. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Look for that song. Uh, I think yeah. that's not. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's one that Sinatra himself, in some interview, one time said that he had. He, uh, it was a disappointment because he thought it might, it might be a hit, and it wasn't. But it was already a different era. So should, should, should have been. Yeah. yeah. And then you went into public relations. And um, I mean, your career, you, you kind of left that scene and you went to make 
the big bucks. So what happened <laughs> after that? Because <laughs> we all know there's not much much money you know, in radio unless you're a yeah, super radio um, you star. Know, it turns out that news is sort of depressing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> and and so anyway, I was looking for something else, and I, I moved over to uh, media relations at Pacific Bell and soon to become AT&T. Uh, again, but Pacific Bell, um, instead of asking the questions, I was answering the questions, which turns out to be a lot more difficult. Oh, I, I'm <laughs> learning this here because I've been interviewed hundreds upon hundreds of times as a performer on uh, appearing on shows. Sure. And now I'm asking, I, um, folks, when you notice me stutter a little bit, and all, it's because I'm still trying to learn how to be on the other side and interview people. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, it has not been easy, so I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You were very successful with that. And yeah, and there uh, was some good issues, you know, air, over the years. I did media relations and government relations and, and handled air quality and transportation. And I was a liaison to local government in League of Cities and CSAC, California State Association of Counties. Wow. So, you know, it was a really great experience. I would not trade that for anything. And but I'm retired now, and I wouldn't trade that at all ever. <laughs> I know you're enjoying your travel. You're, you're on uh, on cruise uh, on cruise ships more than I am now. I know you're doing a lot of cruises before the I pandemic. I know, and there's not yeah. a piano player worth their salt so far. <laughs> I mean, I got, you got to get back on a, on a boat, man. <laughs> I'll have to call my agent in San Diego. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him to make sure he hears this podcast episode and your recommendation. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Fitzmaurice, I, for all that we, you've just mentioned, everything you've talked about are just a few of the reasons why I admire you so much, your talent, your 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 brains and and i admire your broadcaster's voice i love your voice i wish i had it i may have a singing voice but I know, singing I, don't voice, have I'll a, I know i don't have a broadcaster's voice that's why i never got into voiceovers thank you so much but, I'm gonna, you know yeah go ahead i just thank you and then thank you for all the years of, of uh, fun and hanging out with you at uh, castle with there it's been great no um, for many years you were the voice to my concerts we still have it on tape uh, I couldn't find it in the archives, but for those of you that came to see my concerts in the Bay Area, before the show, there'd be the little disclaimer and, you know, all that, and he would introduce that. It was Mr. Fitzmorris's voice that you heard. And uh, once I find that in my files, I, I might surprise them and play it on a podcast that's not an episode that may not be related to you, but I'll bring you back with that. They'll enjoy it. Just one And I look forward to doing it again soon sometime because we've got to have another concert. Oh, I can't wait. Listen, any just before I let you go, any advice to younger kids trying to get into radio or that? have that bug and that voice and, and anything you can think of um, um well the only thing i can uh, recommend is that you know you do what what they told me to do which was to hang out at a radio station yeah. uh, a lot of people are coming out of um, like a san francisco state yeah um and they have a terrific broadcast department 
And that helps too, so you yeah. can really get some some on air experience before you go out into the world and try to get a real job. Um, but boy, hanging out and learning from the people who do it day after day, and then I got lucky at at KPAT. Boy, the 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 disc jockeys there. One of them was Ron Bolts, who you will know the name probably, but mm-hmm. you might recognize what a voice he had, and he was the voice of Channel Two. And oh, he was wow, the guy yes. that said, there's only one, two. Wow. Well, he said it much better than that. <laughs> Beautiful. Listen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for all the support. My pleasure. Always being there for me. And to all the listeners, Mr. Dick Fitzmaurice, Richard Fitzmaurice, I call him Mr. Fitz, has so is so loved by everyone at uh, the club and Above all, by all the workers, all the help at the club. He's that kind of guy. Just everybody um, appreciates and, uh, and loves Mr. Fitz. And I thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, this side uh, uh, of a gentleman that's very important to my life and career and that I respect tremendously. As I always say, uh, if you like what you listen, if you want to keep supporting the podcast, uh, the best way to do it is, well, buy me a coffee. (laughs) And uh, very easy, just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Carlos Avalon and um, um, it'll show you what to do. And uh, I thank you so much. As I always say, that's it for now. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Please join us again in two weeks for another episode of Carlos Avalon, My Music, My Life. Now it's not a city